0: You brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have. Turn with me to the book of Genesis, to the 11th chapter. That's way back there, towards the front of your Bibles. Genesis chapter 11. I want to begin and read to you uh, by reading to you the last few verses of that chapter. I want to start in verse 27, read through the end of the chapter. Genesis chapter 11 verse 27. Genesis chapter 11, verse 27 begins and says, Now these are the generations of Terah. I'm not sure if it's Terah or Terah. I'll probably end up saying both. Terah beget Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran beget Lot. And Haran died before his father, Terah in the land of his nativity, and Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took their wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. Verse 31. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sari, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years and Tira died in Haran. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to gather here this morning to worship you together. Lord, we thank you for each one that you've sent our way. We thank you for our church family. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the roof you put over our head, the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have. Every breath that we draw, it's a gift from you. We thank you, Lord, so much for the blessings you poured out on us. But we thank you most of all this morning for your son, Jesus. Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life, have our life eternally and abundantly. Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, that you would just move in a mighty way. God, have your way and have your will in the service. God, clear my mind of everything except for your message, your thoughts, your words. God, help me to preach what you want me to preach here this morning. Lord, place on my tongue the very things you'd have me to say this morning. Lord, anoint me from on high that I might preach by your power with your authority. Lord, that it might be to your glory. Lord, I pray for each one here that's sat this morning under the sound of my voice. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd give them ears to hear what you would say by your spirit through me this morning through your word I pray Lord that you would give us receptive hearts Lord that we would desire to hear from you this morning and God I pray that we would be obedient to your word this morning Lord that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word but we would be doers that we wouldn't just let it go in one ear and out the other but God that we would let it uh, sink in right we would let it take Deep root within us and grow inside of us and transform us inside out into the people you've called us to be, into the very image of your Son, Jesus. So, Lord, I just pray right now, God, have your way and your will in our midst. If there's any that doesn't know you this morning, let to, this morning be the morning that they make that commitment to you. Let today be the day they would repent from their, of their sins and turn to you. Lord, if there's any that's just backslidden, grown cold, or indifferent, or lukewarm. Lord, let today be the wake-up call for them. Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, that you just have your way and your will in this service and in our midst. God, we love you, we worship you, we praise your holy name, and we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. As we look here at Genesis chapter 11, we see, let me just give you the, the story in my own words in a nutshell. Abram is who God renames Abraham. Sarah is who God renames Sarah. Abraham is the father of Isaac and Jacob. He is the father of Israel. Uh... When we look at chapter 12, if I would have went on and read there, you would see the um, God making the covenant with Abraham and the promise uh, that his seed would bless all of the earth, would bless everyone. That happens through Jesus Christ. And so what has happened is Abraham with his brothers and his wife, uh, nephew, right? We know there's probably other family members, that's who's talked about there, as a niece and a nephew, a couple nieces and a nephew, and his father. They live in Ur, the Chaldees. If you look at a map of where Ur is, Ur is over there pretty close. The first thing I think of when I look at a map is I think of Kuwait. I don't know that it's exactly in Kuwait, but it would be close. I think it's about 200 miles uh, southeast of Baghdad. So over there in the corner of Iraq, pretty close to maybe the um, Iraq-Kuwait border, there by the Euphrates River. Uh, Ur was a big town at that time, a big city. Uh, It was well known throughout history, uh, or ancient history. And then we have what sometimes creates a little confusion when you're reading this. You have the town of Haran, which is actually also Abraham's brother's name, who dies while they were still living in Ur. Um, It's clear in the original language in the Hebrew, because in the Hebrew, the the two names are actually spelt different. Uh, But when you translate that into English, because they're pronounced basically the same, it comes out the same, and so it... Creates a little confusion for us, where well, there's two Hurons here in our text. There's Abraham's brother, Haran, who died when he was young. Right? We can understand. We can see the picture of what that's like. It's not meant. Uh, we can understand the natural order of things. It's not meant for the father uh, to bury his son. Right? It's the son who who should be burying his father. But in this case, uh, Abraham's or Abram's son, or I mean, Abram's brother, uh, Haran, dies at a young age. So his father and uh, uh, Nahar is, is, who, uh, is who buries him and so we see that from what I've read to you that they leave on their way to Canaan land if you were to look at a map the route of travel if they make a straight line is across the desert that's not the way that people went It's not the way people travel even today. definitely wasn't the way that they traveled then. The way that they went was along the river and then back down, and it makes a crescent shape, right? A kind of a half circle or a third of a circle shape from Huron, or I mean from Ur through Huron to Canaan land, what we know today as Israel. The town of Huron, is about halfway. And so here is my thought. Here is my question. Here is my premise this morning. I wonder how many have stopped halfway to the promise. Abraham's father, Terah, or Tira, however you're supposed to say that, he stopped halfway to the promised land. And do you know what? Did you catch this and all this? That's where he died. That's where he died. Halfway there. Now we know that the promised land, right? Canaan land. Is where he set out for. Because verse 31 of the text that I read to you, right? And Terah took Abram his son. And Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son. And Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to run, and, excuse me, and dwelt there. To Canaan, they set out for Canaan. We also know that what caused them to leave Ur of the Chaldees was God speaking to Abraham. Now, whenever you have that recounted in chapter 12, but it's not exactly clear when it takes place there. But if you look at Acts chapter 7, whenever um, Stephen is getting ready to get stoned and he gives his sermon, he makes it very, God through Stephen makes it very clear. In Acts chapter 7, verse 2, Stephen says, And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in uh, Haran, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, and come into the land, which I shall uh, show thee. And he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into his land wherein he now dwell. So we know that God spoke to Abraham. We know from Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, Right, that Abraham's family, anyways, was idol worshippers, worshippers of false gods, of other gods. We know that God called Abraham out of that, out of the midst of that. We know because of God's call to Abraham to come out of there and to follow Him, and He would lead him to a land, right? Lead him to Canaan land, a land that He would show him and give him, that is, descendants, right? would be able to inhabit, it would be theirs uh, eternally for them, or forever, uh, not eternally, but forever for them to keep, right? It would be an inheritance to them, and their seed, their offspring, would be so numerous that it, you wouldn't be able to count them, right? It compares them in one place to the stars in the sky, another place to the, to the grains of sand. So we know why Abram and his family left Ur. We know where they were going. We even know the route that they took. What we don't know is why did they stop halfway, halfway to the place that God called them to, the place that they set out to go to, that they intended on going to. Now I've read some different uh, uh, I've read some different commentaries on this. I've listened to some different people talk about this before at different times, and I've heard some that have speculated that, that maybe Tara's health had gotten bad, right? Uh, that, that that's why they stopped, right? They started out on this journey, and, and his dad just got you know so sick, they couldn't continue on, so they stopped. But we've got no that's just speculation. We've got no reason to believe that. And as a matter of fact, um, Genesis chapter 12 verse 5 leads us to believe that they spent a number of years in Haran. Verse 5 says, let me read it to you. And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to the land of Canaan and to the land of Canaan they came. So everything that they had accumulated while they were there in Haran, we just don't really know why. Now, when they set out, Terah—he's the Terah, hes the father; he's leading them, right? From the text that we that we read here, it tells us back in chapter eleven, verse thirty-one: Terah took Abram his son, and Lot, and it goes through the whole list, right? And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees into the land of Canaan. Except they didn't go all the way there. They stopped halfway in Haran. We don't know why he stopped and decided to stay in Haran. Maybe he did feel like his health wasn't that great. Right? I've been around people and known people who's Hell started deteriorating, and they didn't think they had much longer, and then they end up living another 10, 5, 10, 20 years, right? Maybe that was the scenario. Maybe he just felt like he was getting too old for the journey, and he liked the looks of Iran, and he thought, you know what? This is good enough. We'll just stop here. Maybe the fact is, is they intended to just stop a hurrah long enough to rest a little bit, recuperate, get some more supplies. <coughs> but they got comfortable. <coughs> excuse me. But they got comfortable there. Maybe while well, they stopped there for a little bit, or along the route along the way, people would ask them, "Where are you headed?" And they'd say, "We're headed to Canaan land." And people would say, maybe, maybe I'm speculating. Maybe people would say, oh, you don't want to go there. <laughs> that's not a good place. There's a lot better places than there. Maybe they would say, that's too wild. You ever been over there? That's untamed. And the people that live there, it's too wild. It's too dangerous. Or maybe they heard, nah, you don't want to go there. Yeah, it's a good land, but maybe... Man, there is a ton of people that are there. It's overcrowded. Right? That'd be like, uh, somebody come to me and said, I'm moving to New York City. I'd be like, why do you want to go there? I remember my brother in law mentioned to me, he said, I'm wanting to move to Cleveland. I said, Have you ever been to Cleveland? As a truck driver, I'd spent a lot of time in Cleveland. The parts I'd been to probably weren't the best parts of Cleveland. But I mean, my point was, is there's, a, there's a lot of people there already. Maybe it was like that whenever, you know, they'd encounter somebody and say, where are you going? And they so, we're going to Canada, They're like, you ever been there? Are you sure that's where you want to go? Maybe they had heard that there were giants in the land. I don't know. But here's the thing that... I really think is the important thing that I wonder about. Is how many have died halfway to where God wanted them because they just stopped? Whatever, you can speculate whatever reason it was, whatever it was that talked them into not going any farther than Haran, whether it was Tara's health or whether it was things they heard about the place or whether it was how nice Haran was, whatever it was, you can speculate, whatever, it doesn't matter. What does matter is somehow they convinced themselves they were better off to stop halfway, halfway to where God had called them, halfway to where God had wanted them. And I wonder in our own lives, how many have stopped, right? How many have let themselves be talked into for maybe some of the same reasons? into stopping halfway short of what God intended for them and what God intended for them to do. I mean, really, think about this for a minute. Can you imagine saying to God... I'm too old to do what you have called me to do. I mean, think about it for a minute, right? If, if he stopped because of his age, he said, I'm too old to make a move like this and to travel like this, and he only went halfway and he stopped. Could you imagine God speaking to you right now this morning and calling you to do something, right? Calling you to be a preacher, calling you to be a missionary, calling you to teach a children's class or something like that? And can you imagine immediately you saying, Now, wait a minute, God, I'm too old to do that or better yet start out to do it stop halfway through and be like I'm too old for this can you imagine telling God you really didn't realize how old I was you didn't realize how feeble I was right God you you got messed up you you thought I could do something I couldn't do can you imagine telling god god calls you to do something you're telling him and maybe you start out but then you're telling you know what my health is too bad to do what you asked me to do don't you think god knew how old you was before he called you don't you think that he knew what your abilities was before he set the task before you Don't you think that he's got a better idea of what your health is than even what you or your doctor or the best doctors No, His medical chart on you is way better than the one the doctors got on you. Maybe maybe it's been a while, right? Maybe it's a long journey. Maybe you've gotten to the point of too old. My health ain't good enough. Don't you realize that God also knew exactly where you would be at this point in the journey? Do you not realize that he didn't call you to go halfway and stop? He didn't call them to stop and hurrah. He didn't say, go halfway, wait till your dad dies, and then go the rest of the way. Do you not realize Haran, he could have seen the promised land. He could have seen the promised land. He could have spent his last days in the promised land. Do you not realize that every ounce of strength you have is because God gave it to you? Every breath that you draw is a gift from him. It's a gift from God. Do you not have enough faith to believe that God can and will sustain you until he is finished with you? That's what it boils down to. I wonder how many people, wonder how many churches spiritually speaking now have died because they stopped halfway. Halfway. Halfway to the finish line. Halfway there. You see, the Bible tells us faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is living in God's power instead of living in your own power. Living in your own power is the opposite of faith. Faith is stepping out and living in God's power. Unbelief, right? We hear that word quite a bit in the scriptures. That is just the opposite of faith, right? That should be a given, right? Faith is on one side, the complete total opposite of that is unbelief. So here is the principle the scripture teaches us all three. Just as faith unlocks what God will do, right? Right? Faith unlocks what God will do. The opposite, right? Just as faith unlocks what God will do, unbelief stops what God desires to do with you, through you, and for you, right? Faith unlocks what God will do. Unbelief stops what God desires to do that's why when it's, it's talking about Jesus when he's in Nazareth right in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58 it says that he did not many or he did not mighty works there because of their unbelief because of their unbelief it's not what God desired to do in Nazareth, right? If you read that passage and study that, it indicates to us God desired to do more. But because of their unbelief, it stopped what God desired to do there. Listen to me. We must walk by faith, not by sight. That's what the Scripture tells us, right? That is the... Two same things, right? These two opposites, right? Faith is the substance of, of things not seen, right? Uh, it, it, but yet, uh, it, it, here is unbelief, which is just the opposite of that, right? Right? Faith is believing without seeing. Unbelief is having to see in order to believe. By faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they possessed the land of promise, right? Because of unbelief, neither did Aaron nor Moses nor Miriam get to enter into there. By faith, the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. But by unbelief, an entire generation of them perished in the wilderness. When the church goes just halfway, it dies. Period. Spiritually speaking, they might continue to exist as in a body of people show up there. But when the church goes halfway, when it starts saying, I can't quite do what you called me to do, God. That's stopping halfway. That's stopping short. It dies. You come this far, what's stopping you from going the rest of the way? Either you believe God, or you don't. There's no believing God for some things, but not for other things. That, you know what amazes me so much? And I'm not saying that the people I'm getting ready to talk about, I'm not saying that they're not sincere. not saying that at all. I'm saying that it's a flaw of our flesh. It is a weakness, uh, a cheek in our arm, or a weakness... Uh, Uh, in our faith, so many of us, it's our natural tendency, we will believe God for our salvation. But we will not believe God for our day-to-day living, for our substance, for the things that we need to carry us through, right? What I mean by that is the the greatest obstacle that you're going to face in this life Is to escape the wrath of God. That's the one thing, right? You, you think the biggest obstacle you got is the bill that you got coming due that you ain't got enough money to pay? You think the biggest obstacle you got is whatever health battle you happen to be facing right now? No, the biggest obstacle in your path, the biggest thing in your, that you've got to hurdle that you can't hurdle is an eternity in the devil's hell and the lake of fire, right? The wrath of God being poured out on Which all of us, just to be clear here, every single last one of us, without exception, including myself, deserve. Every one of us, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve an eternity in the devil's hell, right? We all fall short. That's why it talks about, that's why it's called redemption, deliverance, saved. That's why it's the mercy of God not getting what we deserve. God saves us, right? When we trust Him, we put our faith in Him, we repent of our sins, and we turn to God, right? We trust Him to save us from that wrath, from eternity and hell, from that lake of fire and brimstone. We trust Him to save us from that. So we can trust Him with the greatest obstacle that you will ever face, but the little speed bumps along the way. And I know they look like a mountain when you're up against them. But those things, we can't trust him with those. We can't believe that he'll carry us through those and over those and whatever. Remove them out of our way if need be. Either you're all in or you're all out. You might think you're half in and half out, but you're not. You're all the way out. You're either all in or you're all out. Answering the call of God, then carrying out that answer in your life is not complicated. It might seem impossible, but with God it's not. But it's not complicated. It's actually just this simple. God speaks, we do it. Then God makes things happen. That's how it works. We trust God to produce the results. We trust God to supply all of our needs. We let God remove all of the obstacles that are in our way. We march on, right? Even whenever it looks insurmountable. Even though uh, we can't yet see how in the world we're going to get there, right? We continue to march on because that's what God has called us to do. And we know that he'll flatten the hills if that's what needs to take place. He will remove the obstacles. He will make a way. He'll give us the strength. He'll give us the health. We just keep on going. Calls us to the promised land. I'm begging you, don't stop halfway. Whatever you think it is, whatever you think might be a good reason to stop half of the way, I'm begging you, don't do it because you'll die in Huron if you do. We continue fighting the good fight, knowing in the end we win. So let me ask you. What has God called you to do? And here's the better question Are you doing it? Are you doing it? I could ask it this way halfway or all the way? Right? Are you doing it all the way or are you just kind of doing it halfway? Or have you stopped somewhere along the way? Now, I told you I want to make the call of action here at the end of the service a little bit different. I'm not, not necessarily going to do a traditional altar call. Now, let me say this. There's going to be singing here in just a minute. And if you feel the need to come and pray, please do so. Whatever it is, you want somebody to pray with you, I might be back there getting in the water. But we've got some deacons here and we've got some other leaders in this church. We've got some people here that will come and pray with you, okay? But here's my thought. Well, let me say this, too. Don't think that it's strange that we end things this way. You do realize that the altar call, the way we give it, they've not been doing that for 2,000 years, right? You realize that's just been a couple hundred years that that's been kind of popularized as the normal end of service. Do you, did you know that, and they've done, the call to action has been different at different times over the years. Did you realize that in the early church, first few hundred years, they always had... A pool of water. That was always the call to action. Come make a, prof- a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is. That's what Alyssa is doing here this morning, right? She she came to the altar here a few weeks ago, right? And when I knelt down there with her, I said, "What can I pray with you for?" And she says, "I need to get saved." I said, "All right. Well, here's what you've got to do." And so we went through that, and and uh, she's prayed. We've talked lots of different times, and she's ready to. She come to me uh, last week and said, started asking me about baptism. So we talked about it. And I said, you just let me know when you're ready. She said, okay. She come Wednesday and she said, I'm ready. I said, okay. I said, well, pick a Sunday. And she said, can we do it this Sunday? I immediately thought of the Ethiopian eunuch. He says, here's water. What does hinder me? I was afraid if I'd pushed a little bit, we had been baptizing her Wednesday night. So anyways but here's something I'd wondered about how many over the years has made a trip to the altar and maybe they've said a prayer when they were there but that's it that's as far as they went they never follow Christ even in baptism like we're getting ready to do right now but let's go with that scenario for a minute how many have come forward Maybe that trip to the altar I described to minute ago, And then later, maybe, maybe that day, maybe the next week, maybe a month later, whatever. They come forward and they're publicly baptized. Make their public profession of Christ, or faith in Christ. But that's it. I can think of a few people right now that the last service they've been here, last time I seen them, without going and chasing them down, was when I baptized them. They don't go on and continue to serve God. That's not the last step. That's the first step in serving God. So here's my question. Isn't that just stopping halfway? Isn't that the same as just stopping in Haram? You'll die there. Spiritually, you will die there if that's what you do. So I'm going to ask Alyssa, would you come on and start to get ready? And I'm and I'm going to ask uh, Mike and Diana if you'll come and, and start to play and sing while we get ready, and and listen. Like I said, a while ago, even though I'm not giving an altar call exactly like I normally do, it is open. You can come and pray, right? You could come at any point through any of of a service when I'm leading and preaching uh, and pray. if God was to put it on your heart. And so if God is dealing with you and you want to come pray, you come pray. You want somebody to come pray with you. We, like I said, we've got deacons here this morning and we've got leaders in the church and we've got people that will come and pray with you. So, and, and, if, and if you feel the Holy Spirit moving on you, that today's the day that you need to get baptized, then just come on and get in line, okay? Don't you worry about, well, I ain't got no change of clothes. It'll be okay, I promise you. It'll be all right. You won't be thinking about that and worried about that whenever you come out of that water anyways, all right? So you just come on.